heavy with salt and rain. Down there at sea level, on the narrow band of swampy land, trapped between black mountains and stormy sea, in the tiny settlement of Waimangaroa, unpainted iron on the new company houses heaved and squealed against nails not yet settled in. The storm roared inland, over the town, over the flat coastal strip, straight up the gully towards the mountains. In the gorge, the river rose and ran oily with a mixture of mud and coal slack. Great ancient beech trees groaned, their slapping branches showering tiny leaves into the shrieking air. At the head of the gully, the wind buttered, whomp, into the black rampart of the escarpment, bent almost vertical and raced on up, two thousand feet up, howling all the way up to Deniston. Rosa's mother never said why she chose to arrive at night, let alone in that storm. In another town, people would worry away at a mystery like that, gnawing at the hard, bright bone over teacups and white lace tablecloth. But plenty of people at Deniston had secrets. There was a saying that every living soul on the hill had been chased up there, by the law or some other fury, that they escaped onto that desolate plateau and then somehow mutated, like a tough breed of goats, into a race that actually enjoyed mist and cold and isolation. The recruited English miners would be an exception, perhaps. No secrets there. They were on the hill to work, to hew coal and get on with it. Con the Brake, himself a walking treasure chest of secrets, would say that generations underground in the Midlands had mutated the English miners before they arrived. So no one knew what brought Rose's mother. She must have been desperate, that was obvious, considering who she was coming to join and the manner of her arrival. But you didn't ask nosy questions on the hill, and she never offered a reason. Not to folk who might pass on the gossip, anyway. Rosa's mother was never one you could have a normal chat with. There was some kind of angry fire burning in that woman, a fire that had been dabbed down with too much slack. Most of the time she smouldered away in some private world of her own, walked past as if the rest of the world didn't exist. If she decided to speak... The words blazed out, shreds and tatters of speech, not decent sentences you could respond to. A hint of some foreign lingo underlying her words, also a touch of madness. An embarrassing woman, was the general opinion, with her shouts, snorts of laughter, hands in all directions. Who would know whether she was enjoying herself or in a furious temper? The truth was, Rosa's mother was always too difficult, too uncomfortable. Would it have made a difference if one of the other women had befriended her? It's debatable. Con the break, on the other hand, every bit as foreign as Rosa's mother, with a past every bit as mysterious, was as open as the sea with his friendships and favours. That night might not have been the best moment to judge, mind you. Being on duty on such a night like this would strain the good nature of a saint, Never one to hold back in the words department, Con let loose a good flow in at least two languages, shouting and cursing at the blinding rain, the money-grubbing mine manager, the icy cold iron of the brake controls. Rain and hail blind the little window of the brake shed. He risked leaving for a moment the two handles that had become over the past two years like extensions of his own arms. Out on the platform, he peered down the rails over the edge of the bluff. The lantern, swinging on the tail of the descending loaded wagon, had disappeared into the storm. 
somewhere below, the empty wagon was rising in the wild dark, its lantern equally obliterated. "'Shut your mouth!' yells Con the Brake to the hookman. Con's temper frays to a strand under pressure. "'How can a bod count if you yak?' The hookman, in dripping oilskins and dripping moustache, shrugs and turns away. If Con can curse while he counts, you'd think he could pass the time of day, too. But no one wants to be responsible for an accident. Better to stay mum. He taps a wooden chock, testing its fit against the wheels of the waiting full wagon, then crouches under its sloping metal side, taking what cover he can from the storm. Back in the shed, Con counts seconds in some other language. A newfangled invention, attached to the drum, is supposed to tell him the position of the wagon, but he doesn't trust the thing. A man's experience and judgment is better in a storm like this. His great fists handle the wheels with surprising delicacy.